everyone. Guess you're seeing a different face than usual today. I'm pretty excited that I get to speak. Uh, I've had a lot of things on my mind lately. I've attempted to put some of these thoughts to paper. So you're going to get to hear and see what I've been struggling with as I watch the world around me and at large. And what I'm hoping is some semblance of a response to it and hope for the future. If you've heard me speak before, this will be something new. Normally I like to find as much humor as I can. Like, you know, normally I would want to at least bring something like my buddy Stan in here with me and probably have some funny anecdotes or whatever I can to bring some levity to it. But, you know, I could put my friend Stan aside today. He's gonna sit this one out. Um, and I guess you get to see a different side of me, especially, you know, if you're new, I've mostly just been having fun, or not new, but I guess new to me, I've been having fun with the announcement videos I've been doing. And uh, so here it is. This, this is sort of my, it's like a journal entry almost I wrote, and hopefully it makes sense. Hopefully it may, brings you some sort of understanding piece. Uh, maybe you need to be convicted. Uh, I know I myself, you know, well, coming up with this, felt some conviction. Okay. People are divided. It feels like there's more polarization now than there's ever been since I reached adulthood and started paying more attention to what the adults in the room were saying instead of running downstairs to play with my friends or my cousins, usually trying to jump on the video games as soon as possible and escape from the world that we were living in, the world of ignorance as a kid, really. And even then we wanted to escape. And now that there's so much more of a draw to escape, uh, now that you know I've been made more aware since my peers started joining in on the larger issues of the day and not just what movie we saw recently or how the Leafs were playing there you know I've noticed the difference for all I know though nothing has really changed I'm just a more willing participant than I once was I suspect the very visible elephant in the room is social media and are ever more easily accessible access to what is going on in the world. We're now more likely to be aware of what's happening in another country than we are our own neighborhood. Now, I'm pointing fingers. I point to social media and the internet, maybe the media at large. It's hard for me to not point the finger in judgment, but I don't think that is useful. Language is a wild beast and it can be hard to tame and we're more likely to use hyperbolic language that might give more meaning to our words, uh, more oomph, uh, but leave the wrong impression of what we're actually trying to say. It's probably far more accurate for me to say that social media and other mediums I mentioned may be an explanation for why it is beginning to feel like Luke 12:53, where they will be divided, father against son and son against father mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. 
mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, to say nothing of friends, colleagues, and acquaintances. Every day, someone new is self-flagellating themselves in their figurative sackcloth and ashes, the modern-day Pharisee disfiguring his face to advertise his fasting as we self-righteously exclaim pharisaically ourselves, Thank you, Lord, for not making me like this lowly sinner, though praying the spotlight and the mob never turns on us. I would have to say for anyone young, anyone under 25 that's paying attention right now, specifically, watch what you do on social media. And you, by your frontal cortex is not fully developed until you're 25. You don't aren't able, unfortunately, to see consequences uh, of our actions as clearly as you would when you're older. Just simple things like I now am much more scared going down a hill on a bike than I once was. I think about how, what if my front tire pops off? Suddenly I'm going to go head over rail. Never, I used to bomb the hill and social media is a whole new beast that wasn't around when I was a kid making poor decisions thinking the world needs to hear my thoughts uh, what you think now might be uh, clear and safe uh, you're going to you you will likely look back at your whatever you're on Facebook Instagram uh, Twitter in years and you can look back at what you've posted and you'll cringe because you know I was 18 I think when Facebook came out I've gone back and deleted cringy comments I made that weren't bad nothing I'd ever get in trouble for but it's just like wow that is not who I am now like that's just a lame joke uh, you know I can't believe I thought it was funny to say that when again not offensive at all just you know it's just a bad joke <laughs> so uh a warning really think about what you put out there I know you've heard that a lot but I know what it's like to be younger and think that the things that I'm saying or doing are done through an adult mind and you know it's like every five years now I'm realizing how little I knew five years ago so you know please I'm pleading with you take care so don't get me wrong like I'm incredibly guilty of this stuff myself as my friends tell me I am a provocateur or at best someone who attempts to provoke thought in others often by speaking in harsher terms or generalizing I can say like Paul that I'm the chief of sinners and please do not think that I am for the policing which is now a dirty word of language the idea of speaking in generalizing terms is a very new one the Bible as written would likely be considered hate speech by some as it uses blanket statements that we all are capable of understanding, but today is considered politically incorrect. An example of this would be the gospel writer's depiction of the chief priests, elders, and Pharisees. We know that the author does not intend to be referring to every single one, and the Bible even gives us examples of some that did not, or sorry, that did believe Jesus. Nicodemus, the obvious example. Paul often refers to the Jews 
and we do we, we all know he does not mean every single Jew he's speaking about a particular group of Jewish people when he speaks of them but like there's Jews in the church Paul was a Jew Jesus was a Jew uh, Paul doesn't have a problem with the Jewish people as a whole uh, and we understand that but in today's language you could not write the book as written and get away scot-free so believe me I do get frustrated with those that might claim that is an incorrect statement to state that humans have ten, ten fingers because of course some people have less some people were born with more so how could you ever say that humans have ten fingers that's offensive to those with less or those with more it's fr I get it and that may be a bit in a bit of an aside but I'm trying to make sure I'm understood clearly it comes much more natural to point out the speck in our brother's eye than to remove the log in our own. For we have our own feelings about who's to blame for the division we're seeing in society right now. Is it conservatives? Is it liberals? Is it whites? Is it blacks? Is it any other color of person who for some reason, like the NDP and Green Party, are often left out of the conversation or placed inside another group and not given their own identity? Is it a holy, is it secular, men or women, Nintendo or PlayStation? Just whatever box I can put you in to make you less of an individual so that I can attempt to understand how you think and why you are the way you are. There's a difference between looking for explanations and looking for a guilty party, and that is the distinction I'm hoping to make. I feel that all the intricacies of being and thought are being pushed to the side in favor of false binaries. When I see clips from the news in our current events, if I tune to one channel, all I've been seeing is cell phone footage of police brutality. And when I turn to another, all I see is looting and rioting. And then the question is put to you, what side are you on? Are you for police brutality or are you for anarchy and destruction? And these are the options that my friends are putting on social media on Facebook and Instagram that's what I'm being given those two options and you better not give any semblance of not being on their side or your relationship may have reached its end in fact in this digital age I've now found from speaking to some friends that if you're not outspoken in your support or condemnation of a certain topic that is enough to be cancelled you can no longer be uh someone who might be against a certain topic you need to be actively against it you need to be calling your politicians and making facebook posts or else you're not good enough because you are actually now someone one of those silent bystanders who allows evil to continue there's not there's no nuance um we're losing that i saw venga diagram the other day and there were four quadrants and I'm you know because of this current culture I'm hesitant to get into this uh, I I feel sort of wary of it and my dad told me if he was still a practicing lawyer he would no longer take do anything funny at work he, he used to have a lot of fun around the office but he said you know in this current climate everything would be strictly business because whatever he does 
could come back to haunt him. Like, you know, a competitor uh, and lawyer who's working against him, just anyone who wants to take him down and harm the business in any way, they, you know, all they'd have to do is find out you did something that can be construed at least to look a certain way and that can be end. And, you know, speaking about things that are currently going on in the world, it is sort of scary. I'm putting this out that this is going on the internet. So in this Venn diagram, there were four quadrants. One of them said George Floyd's death was murder and the cops responsible should be in jail. The next was that the police system is structurally corrupt and regularly refuses to prosecute cops. Following that, there was mass protests and civic disruptions are legitimate and warranted actions. And the final one was looting and the burning of businesses is immoral and counterproductive. People who do this should go to jail. In the middle, where the four quadrants met, was another one titled you can be here. I found it interesting that something that felt so common sense was not a major part of what I was seeing on TV and online. And unfortunately, division creates wealth and motivates voters. So whoever we are pointing at as being a part of the problem, we likely have our minds set on a way these issues can be resolved. However, how arrogant are we? There's a passage from Tolkien that I believe illustrates this, and that one can easily draw biblical parallels. Speaking about the fortress of Saruman, who was one of the bad guys in The Lord of the Rings, he was someone who once fought for good, and he'd been corrupted. A strong and wonderful, a strong place and wonderful was Isengard, and long it had been beautiful, and their great lords had dwelt the wardens of Gondor upon the west, and wise men that watched the stars. But Saruman had slowly shaped it to his shifting purposes, and made it better, as he thought, being deceived, for all those arts and subtle devices, for which he forsook his former wisdom, and which fondly he imagined were his own, came from Mordor, the bad guys. So that what he made was not, only a little copy, a child's model or a slave's flattery, of that vast fortress, armory, prison, furnace of a great power, Baradur, the Dark Tower, which suffered no rival, and laughed at flattery, biding its time, secure in its pride and its immeasurable strength. If we know our Bibles, particular passages have probably sprung to mind. To trust not in our own strength, but trust in the Lord. Though instead, we often seek horses and chariots, or whatever form they might take in our lives. I'm reminded of my work environment. I'm being inundated with emails and mandatory staff meetings and workshops led by ideologues who believe that if we follow their teaching, we will bring about the utopia and solve society's problems, or at least be much closer to that than we are now. I'm sitting on the sidelines watching a metaphorical Tower of Babel being built for a second time. Unless we forget to show some form of gratitude for living in the time and society we are. No one in human history has had it as easy as those of us living in the Western world, but we would rather complain, and here I am complaining. Can we bring about the change that is needed? I don't know if we can. Not on our own, anyway. 
as we in the church point our fingers and blame at a society that we feel is moving further away from our God's intentions, I believe we are creating further strife. Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, 10, 13 writes, That I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ a uh, divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, is Paul talking about the church and her interaction with society? No. He's talking about the church in itself. But we need to start at home. Reading this passage, I'm reminded of conversations I've been a part of or witnessed, where reading or listening to a particular Christian leader becomes a matter of strong disagreement. You're reading that guy? He committed this particular sin. Why, why are you reading him? Or her? She's a prosperity teacher. Him? He's a heretic. He doesn't agree with one item on the orthodoxy checklist. We're acting as gatekeepers, and though the gate is narrow, we need to dismantle these labeled boxes that we have created to try and make sense of others. We've all thought about it. Oh, she's one of those Christians or the more nefarious, he's not a real Christian. We already, we're already a joke to society. They say, look at all your denominations. You guys can't even agree on the basics. And whether or not the disagreements between denominations are the basics would be a story for another time, but it's how it appears on the outside. I'm asking, that we all heed Isaiah's call to King Hezekiah to put one's house in order. Talk of self-reflection is something that we are seeing when a person has been caught breaking one of our new society's unclear and ever-expanded list of offenses in the daily apology tweets and videos. The time to reflect is today and every day. What am I doing that, in, that is contributing to the mess and polarization that I am seeing? How can I ameliorate that? What are the steps I can take to be someone who brings unity? I think this is something we at Verity have thankfully been a part of during this merger. I know that each of us has had some thoughts of why we would rather have kept things the way they were. Some good reasons, some poor reasons. I'll tell you about a poor one. For me, the evangel site was much closer to my house. I've been living there for less than two of my seven or eight years at evangel. So I jokingly referred to this when we were initially speaking about the merger, that perhaps it would be right that since I moved out near evangel and Verity here is actually closer to when I was living with my parents, um, maybe it'd be fair that the church now come together to purchase a new property for me that's near Verity. Just a joke, but, you know, it's an actual thing that for me, for me, such a small problem, oh, my drive's 10 minutes longer, but it is something where it's like, it was more convenient for me for, but I recognized that, like, there was no real valid reason for me not to vote yes on the merger, but big or small, 
we all likely had some issues that may have made keeping things the way they were uh, more comfortable. People don't like change, that's the general rule. But instead, we came together in unity and we're building something beautiful, and I suspect greater than what has come before. So I ask that we bring this unity to the rest of our lives. Jesus said that a house divided cannot stand. Are you divided internally? Might be a silly question. How can you be divided against yourself? But you really got to look at your life. What are the things, Where, like, in which ways are you being pulled? Uh, sort it out. You got to sort yourself out. What about your family? That's the next step. What's going on there? How are you divided? How can you fix it? Start with yourself and start working outward. Eventually, you're going to come to Verity, to the church. And we must be united for this venture to work. Uh, but that is not the end. Our city and our nation will fail with increasing polarization and the world at large. I don't know if there's any point in branching out past the earth. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. That's what scripture says. We often talk about division just in the church. That's what most of the Bible, when it speaks about division, is. But it does also speak about the kingdom being divided. And, you know, we do have the queen still, but we don't call ourselves the kingdom of Canada or anything like that. But, you know, kingdom, nation, whatever you want to call it, we need to be united. The church can make a difference. Each of us has the ability to make the world around us a little bit better or a little bit worse each and every day. Now, you may feel I'm speaking too strongly when I speak for all of us in saying that we do not and have not taken division seriously enough. I think an argument can even be made that it is sinful. The Bible uses extremely harsh language to denounce it. And I think most of us aren't really aware of it because we never really focus too much on it. Um, you know, ever, you ever read the Bible and you read some part that you've read how, who knows how many times and suddenly you're like, I don't remember it using that strong a language last time I read that. Well, reading about division and prep for this, there are some surprising things to me. So I have attempted to create a rather long, uh, sort of run on sense of Frankenstein's monster of sorts of combining some of these verses together into this one giant sentence. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. For a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. The Lord hates one who sows discord among brothers. Now, am I too harsh in saying we don't take the Bible seriously? The Bible makes me uncomfortable. There's some stuff that I just read there that I, I 
acknowledge that is what the Bible says. That is what the Bible teaches. Am I comfortable with seeing someone cause division and say, hey, I told you twice, it's time to leave? Not really. Sometimes we need to live uncomfortably. Uh, that's, I imagine, a lesson for all of us. There's quite a few things in the Bible that make me feel uncomfortable. And I'm not supposed to say I have a hard time with these things, I don't think to be considered likely wrongly a proper Christian, though I'd rather be an honest one, as passive-aggressive as that may sound. Uh, I need to feel comfortable with myself, and being honest helps. When was the last time, though, I took someone, as mentioned, who sowed division in my presence and responded in the prescribed manner? Uh, I don't know if it's happened even once. I can't think of a time. I can think of the times I sat and salivated at the gossip or felt my chest swell as I realized I had an ally when someone attacked those who I disagreed with. It's happened so many times I actually can't think of them. They're, it's constant. Now the world has fallen and I've contributed to that at many times as an active participant and other times as a silent or passive observer nodding my head in approval as Stephen is stoned. We all have. God has called us to join him in bringing about the new creation. In his providence, he has shown us favor in extending his in this invitation to us to be sub-creators with him. And we don't know exactly what that will look like, but we have been given some idea. I hope you'll humor me once more as I combine my two favorite verses to end us with a picture of the hope to come when we are living in these very peculiar times. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, I hope that you were able to bear with me there as I kind of unpacked my thoughts. And one other thing that I find hopeful about the division I'm seeing, or I feel like I'm seeing in our society, is I see things through the media, through online, the way people are speaking. But when I speak to individuals in real life, I don't see that. There, I the false binaries I mentioned, like either it's like you have to have this thing or that thing, or believe this or that. I don't see that when I speak to people. We we're, have wildly different uh, opinions on many topics and ways that we think things need to be done. But it's not as divided, I think, when you're with a real person and not just seeing a post uh, or, or a news clip. 
So I like re speak to people and you know, not online, have real conversations with people. I had some interesting ones where someone was texting me and I think they've got things completely wrong. It's happened a few times and I realized, you know, this is a on the phone or in person conversation because you, you know, if you've been there, you can feel where like the tensions are starting to rise because you can't tell the tone over the internet or over text message. And you have the conversation in real life and you know, the hostility just goes immediately down and you realize that you basically agree on 99% of the same things and your disagreements aren't, one, that 1% 1 isn't even that big a deal or isn't even as big of a disagreement as you thought it was. So, I hope that I was able to bring something to you, or at least make you think, uh, self-reflect. That's probably one of the things that I'm really calling for and asking and hoping we're all able to do. And really, like, the way we can come together here at Verity, some of the ideas I'm hearing, but what we can do for the community, uh, I think we can be a part of something pretty incredible here. If you know, God builds this foundation for us, and if we listen and take part in what He's doing here and wants to do, this community could be so blessed by us here. Uh, so please uh, send in your ideas. I know there's been some brainstorming that's gone on. I don't know what we can do, for, like, you know, movie nights. I know some churches do that. You put on some a nice family movie. We've got a nice space here once things open up. And, you know, serve popcorn, drinks, and just inviting people to come in because, you know what, it's a lot more fun to watch a movie on a big projection than it is in your own home and with a crowd. Uh, things we can do in the parking lot, little fairs or have music playing, just, you know, bring the community together, create this sense of unity, uh, that share the unity that we are feeling here, because us coming together as two churches has, I think, brought everyone closer together in their respective church, like when we were two separate churches, I think each church actually felt Evangel and Lincoln and I'm speaking only from Evangel, felt closer and more united during the merger than we did before the merger was on the table. And the things that are coming up here, I think we're doing amazing things for the congregants, for us. Uh, people are being blessed by viewing the progress that is being made, by seeing the building come together, by being a part of that and seeing that they are building something that is going to last. I think we, there's just so much potential. So I end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help us to check ourselves at the door. Uh, help us to hold our tongue and to think and to reflect on why we are the way we are 
why we take the actions that we do, what actions we take that are not contributing to making the world a better place, and what actions we can take to make things grow closer to what you desire for your kingdom. Help us to look for those opportunities. Help us to look for what we are doing that's contributing negatively instead of pointing the finger at those who we believe are the reason why. Help us to, you know, get our house sorted. I pray, God, for unity in our church, um, unity of purpose, uh, just love and friendship that can grow here. So that the people in our community, that they would see the love that we have for each other and for the community and be drawn to us and that they would get to know you in the process. I pray that we all have a deeper understanding of you and your calling for us. In Jesus' name, amen.